What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and today we're going to talk all about my brand new Sony FX6 camera. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Brr, it is cold outside. It is nine degrees, and I woke up this morning to over seven inches of snow. That is extremely unusual for Texas, especially Central Texas, but I I will take it. I love the cold, um, and I love waking up to snows like that. Um, that's quite a bit of snow for our area. <laughs> um, so this morning, I've already been outside, and I've made... Um, snow angel and eaten snow and walked everywhere with my wife. Basically done everything you do in Texas when it snows once or twice a year. <laughs> but with it being a snowy day outside, I felt like it was a good time to make a cup of coffee, sit down and do a podcast. Um, and then per- perhaps after this podcast, I may watch some Netflix or basically do anything other than edit because that is the last thing I want to do right now, even though I have so much editing to do. <laughs> what I wanted to do today was talk about episode number 34, which is all about the Sony FX6. Um, I recently picked up an FX6 camera. I was fortunate enough to get one of the only FX6s available in the state of Texas and still one of the first to get one in the country. Um, My serial number is literally number 155. That means I have the 155th unit. That's insane. (laughs) Um, If you think about that from a worldwide perspective, I got one of the first ones, and that's pretty exciting because I've never had that that early of a unit before. Um, I've bought cameras as soon as they've come out, but never never been number 155, so that's pretty awesome. Um, but with the FX6, I've had it for a couple of weeks now, and actually, yeah, today is a couple of weeks. And what I'm gonna do today is I'm not gonna give you a full review. I haven't had it long enough for that. But what I am gonna do is I'm gonna give you my overall first impressions, what I like, what I don't like, Um, what could be improved, and what is just absolutely baller about this camera. So to do that, I first want to talk about what the FX6 is. For those of you who don't know much about the Sony FX6, it is a cinema camera that is basically a direct replacement of the Sony FS5 line. And we're going to get into where it fits in the lineup here in a bit, but it essentially is a cinema camera that is a revamped FS5, similar body, a little bit of differences here and there, but overall the body's kind of similar. It weighs only two pounds with the body only with no handle or anything on it, which is really small. This camera has unlimited record times and has a full frame sensor and is essentially the exact same sensor in the Sony a7S III. So it's incredible, absolutely incredible in low light. Hands down, the best low-light cinema camera I've ever worked with. It shoots 4K up to 120 frames per second internally. It has 10-bit 422 color at high bit rates in all frame rates and resolutions. It shoots to the 
XAVC All Intra codec, which is my favorite codec. It is a similar codec to what is on the FS7. It is an extremely easy to edit codec. Back in the day, I used to have to transcode files to ProRes to get the kind of performance I get out of the All Intra codecs that these Sony cinema cameras have. With the FS7, I never had a hiccup with my computer, and the same thing has been true about the FX6 so far. Um, so a great, great codec, lots of bit rate um, room, so you have tons of uh, information and detail in your shots. Not, not a lot of banding, things like that. It shoots HD up to 240 frames per second, which is a pretty nifty little feature to have. It has four channels of audio internal, like the Sony FS7 and FX9 cameras do. That's something the FS5 never, never did have. Uh, four channels of audio is really big for me. It has Sony's amazing electronic variable ND filter. For those of you who don't know much about it, um, traditionally ND filter systems inside of cameras had like three different positions where you had... Um, one set of ND and then you flip it over and then another one pops up that's even darker and then you flip it over and then a third strength pops up that's even darker than that one. Um, but in Sony's electronic uh, variable ND uh, systems in their cinema cameras, basically you have an unlimited amount of ND. You essentially turn your ND on and then there's a wheel and you just scroll it until your exposure is dialed in perfectly. There's no three preset settings or anything like that. Uh, you could set preset settings if you want, but essentially you have this wheel and you just scroll it until your exposure is perfect. It's amazing. It is hands down the best ND system in the world and and Sony's FX9, uh, FS7 Mark II, FX6, and both their FS5 and FS5 Mark II systems have it. Um, so the original FS7 is really the only one of their current cameras that doesn't have it, but all their other ones do. It's it's amazing, and you can even have um, you can even have auto ND, which is incredible. Think about filming wildlife. Let's just say you're filming ducks, for instance, and ducks are flying in the sky, and you have auto ND on, so it's going to keep the the sky a uh, nice and 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 darker for you, so the shot's not blown out. But as the ducks come into the timber where it gets darker, imagine an ND system that gradually and subtly brightens up your image as the ducks come into the timber and land into the water. And so you have a properly exposed shot the entire time, and that change from the sky to the timber happens subtly and gradually and looks perfect. You you couldn't do it better yourself. Um, so it's, it's an incredible system to have. It's extremely useful. So this camera has that. It has a touchscreen, including touchscreen autofocus. The autofocusing system is very similar to what you'll find on Sony's newer mirrorless cameras like the A7S III, uh, the new A1, um, cameras like that. So you have face detect autofocus, you have eye detect autofocus in video, which is absolutely insane. We'll get on to that in a bit. Um, you have uh, essentially all the proper video features you would expect, like bars and tone, SDI out, full-size HDMI out, things like that. You have a hand grip on the side of the camera, which with a few accessories, you can um, turn the camera into a shoulder-mounted camera very easily. And so basically, that's what you have. It's a, it's a cinema camera that takes all the great things about the A7S III, the, the low-light, the 10-bit 422 color, the great bit rates, the great codecs, 
um, the full frame, the improved color science, all of those things, and puts it in the cinema body. And so it's an amazing camera. The, the color is phenomenal. I still shoot log for 90% of what I do, and the log is improved because the color has been improved. And furthermore than that, it comes with the S Cinetone picture profile, um, which is one of Sony's... Um, newest features that they've been touting in their newer cameras lately. S-Cinetone is a great uh, setting for when you are wanting to shoot and not do much color grading in post. Um, so S-Cinetone is beautiful and, and I've found that I've, I've tried it out already and I like it for like live streaming or if I'm shooting files and handing it off to a client when I'm not handling post-production. Now everything else I'm still going to shoot in log because I, I, I like the dynamic range of log, the ability to control my image in post myself. Um, but on the FX6, you do have S-Cinetone for when you you need to have a, the, the images look right as you're shooting. Um, and then lastly, it also has uh, LUT inputs just like the FS7 and FX9 lines have. So you can input LUTs to monitor uh, your log footage with your LUTs that you're going to be coloring with in post, which I love. And um, you also have uh, the ability to burn the LUT into the image if you want to burn it into the image. So that's essentially what the FX6 uh, is and what it can do. Um, the FX6 is an amazing camera. Um, I remember when I was in college, and now, now that I've told you a little bit about the FX6, I'm going to backtrack slightly. When I was in college, um, I had an AX2000 professional grade video camera. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's just a, it's a bigger video camera with a built-in lens, um, multiple channels of audio, uh, built-in ND filters, all, all of those traditional things you'd expect in a bigger, um, all-in-one video camera. And then I had a photo camera, the A77, uh, that was a large sensor interchangeable lens camera. And they were both great. I loved both of those cameras. Um, I, I love the image out of the A77 a lot more than I did out of the AX2000 because it's a large sensor interchangeable lens camera. It just shot better images. It's better in low light. You get that great shallow depth of field that's easy to achieve. Um, of course, you can change lenses and control your image quality uh, and, and the look that you want um, based on the lenses that you use. So I love the A77, but the A77 didn't have the professional video features that the AX2000 did, which is it didn't have the uh, the dual phantom-powered XLR inputs. It didn't have the built-in ND filters. It didn't have um, bars and tone and all of these different things. And so whenever I was running and gunning, the AX2000 made more sense um, because it had all those features professional features built in, but then when I wanted to get creative, I picked up the A77 because it just had a much better uh, image. And so that that was kind of where I was in college, and I remember in college thinking to myself, man, I wish there was a camera that could have the best of both worlds, that could take all the things I love about the video camera and all the things I love about the image quality of the photo camera and combine them into one. And I did some research and lo and behold, that camera did exist. In fact, there were two of them. There was a Canon C300 original and then there was the Sony FS700. And since I was already a Sony shooter, the FS700 was the one that caught my eye. The FS700 was that camera. It was a large sensor interchangeable lens camera with all the professional features you'd expect in a video camera, but the same or, or similar image quality you would get out of these large sensor photo cameras. And I loved the idea of owning an FS700, but I was a broke college kid and the camera cost eight grand. So it was, it was out of reach for me back then. But in 2016, almost five years ago to the day, I bought the FS700's big brother, the FS7. And the FS7 was a great camera for me. I've been running FS7 cameras 
for almost five years. I had the FS7 Mark I up until 2018 when I swapped it out for an FS7 Mark II, and basically been running those two different FS7 cameras um, for the last five years almost. And the FS7s are phenomenal. I love them. There's not much they cannot do. <laughs> you know, they're shoulder mountable out of the box. You have a lot of the things I just said that the FX6 had, the four channels of audio, the built-in ND, um, all those different features you would expect. And so it, it was a professional-grade video camera, a cinema camera, and a photo camera kind of all in one. Obviously, it didn't take pictures, but you get the best of all those worlds in terms of video performance. I loved the FS7 cameras. I use them for so many different types of projects. I've taken them all over the world to different continents, different countries, different states. I've shot outdoor-related um, projects. I've shot doc projects. I've shot commercials and short films and movie theater ads and corporate videos and conferences and speaking engagements and live streams and on and on and on with the FS7 cameras. They were great. Um, but over the last year or two, I kind of knew I was ready to move on to something else. And it wasn't that the FS7s were incapable. It was just that they were missing a few things that I wanted. I wanted really great autofocusing and the FS7s did not have that. And as a running gun shooter who uh, works either independently by himself or often with uh, small crews, I value any um, technological advancement that I can get that will make my job easier. And autofocus is one of those things. And while I am a manual focus first guy, um, let's Let's don't deny the fact that autofocus is incredibly useful. Imagine shooting an interview at f1.4 on a 50 millimeter Zeiss lens and your subject moves slightly in their seat and suddenly you no longer have focus. And then compare that to a camera like the FX6 that allows you to shoot in that same, uh, at that same f-stop with that same lens, but now you have eye autofocus. So their eyeball never, ever, ever loses focus. So no matter what they do, no matter how much they move in their chair, you never lose focus. That's something I, I desperately wanted that the FS7 didn't have. Um, and then the FS7, as much as I love the image quality of the FS7, I knew that Sony's technology has advanced a lot over the last several years, and I knew there were better low-light cameras out there. There were full-frame cinema cameras that were starting to come out. The FS7 is a Super 35 camera. Um, and I knew that Sony had improved their color science and I wanted access to those different things. And then I also wanted a smaller camera. I love the FS7 uh, and the FS7 Mark II that I currently have um, and am, uh, have recently listed for sale. It's a great camera, but it is a little bigger and heavier than I wanted for uh, the types of projects I was doing, um, running around and carrying the camera on my shoulder with a bigger tripod and all this other gear, it, you know, it slows you down and wears you down. And I was wanting something a little bit smaller. Um, Sony recently, I, it was a, a little over a year ago, announced the FX9 and it was not smaller. It was in fact, slightly bigger and larger than the FS7. Um, and, but I still thought about getting it because it looked like the natural successor to the FS7. Uh, but then they came out with this FX6 and it absolutely blew my mind. There it was. It was the full-frame camera with the better low-light performance, with the better uh, improved color science, with all the autofocusing technology that I was looking for, and it was in a smaller body 
than the FX9 or FS7. And furthermore than that, you weren't losing anything. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the FX6, when you look at the FX6 and the FX9 side by side, the FX6 costs $6,000. Now, that's just the body. You have to buy batteries, memory cards, etc. You're going to be in a lot more than $6,000. Let's not make no mistake about it. If it's a dual card slot camera, let's just say you buy four cards for it, uh, four CF Express Type A cards, which are the cards that give you the most performance out of the camera, unlocks every single feature available for the camera. 460 gigabyte CF Express Type A cards will set you back um, $1,600. Let that sink in. So immediately, if you buy four cards, two to put in the camera and two backup, which you will need for a camera like this, you will be uh, taking that camera from $6,000 to $7,600 just with the addition of memory cards. That does not include batteries. You are going to be in seven to $7,500 or more to buy this camera. No, let me take that back. You're going to be in eight to $8,500 or more, possibly even nine grand by the time you get all the parts and accessories you want for it. So don't look at the $6,000 price tag and think it only costs six grand because it does not just cost six grand. Um, however, when you look at it for just what it is, it's a $6,000 camera retail for the camera itself, and the FX9 is an $11,000 camera. And the FX9, same thing, you have to buy XQD cards, batteries, etc. So in both cases, you're going to be spending some money. But when you look at just the bodies themselves, the FX9 is eleven grand. the FX6 is six. There's a $5,000 price difference. The FX6 is almost half the price of the FX9 for just the body only. That's incredible already. And what's even more incredible is that for $5,000 less, this camera is smaller, lighter, does 4K 120, where the FX9 only does 4K 60, and has um, HD 240, where the FX9 only has HD 180. And the, it, the FX6 does RAW to a recorder, whereas the FX9 does not. You have to buy an extension unit and VLOP batteries and all this other stuff. You have to add thousands of more dollars to be able to unlock RAW, whereas the FX6 can do RAW right out of the box straight to a recorder. So the FX6 has features the 9 does not have, and it has those features at $5,000 less in price. That's, that's amazing. And then the FX9 does have a few features that the FX6 doesn't have, like Super 35 4K or Crop 4K. The FX6 only has Crop HD. The FX9 is locking E-mount, which is basically a stronger lens mount than the FX6. And so the FX9 does have some things that the FX6 doesn't have, but when you look at it, I can't justify the $5,000 price difference to buy the FX9 to get those few small things. And furthermore than that, furthermore than the price is the size and weight. Like, I'm not going to buy a $5,000 more expensive camera and a camera that's got all this extra size and weight to it when I could for $5,000 less have a camera that's significantly smaller and lighter that does things that this $11,000 camera can't do. And so when I was looking at an upgrade path for the FS7, the FX6 hands down made way more sense. And that's why I bought one. And so far, my impression has been nothing but phenomenal. Um, 
I have a couple small quirks that I'll get to here in a minute, but I want to highlight what my experience has been with this full-frame cinema camera so far. My first shoot with it was down on the border of Mexico last week. I was shooting uh, several hours, hours worth of interviews, and I shot right next to the A7S III. I did an A-cam, B-cam shoot, two-camera interview shoot. I kept them both locked off for this particular project, no slider, nothing like that, just an A-cam, B-cam, two-camera, simple interview shoot. Neither camera in the three hours or so of recording uh, overheated. Both cameras were using eye detect autofocus the entire time. Neither camera ever lost focus during the entire three-hour shoot, neither overheated or lost focus. I mean, that, that right there tells you how good and solid and reliable these cameras are. Both of them were shooting 10-bit 422 all-intra high bit rate 4K24 files. Both of them look phenomenal in post. Both of them with the same LUT applied because I shot them both to S-Log3. Both of them with the same LUT applied uh, look basically identical in post. Both of them are beautiful. Um, I, I cannot find a fault in the image quality or the performance in either camera. The FX6 absolutely crushed it, as did the A7S III. On the FX6, I ran... Uh, an overhead boom mic to it, uh, and I ran that boom mic to two different channels, one set at one level and one set a low, at a lower level in case for some reason the interviewer uh, got really loud, I could have a backup track to cut to, um, and the audio sounded great. I mean, everything about it was absolutely great in my first experience shooting with it. Since then, I have added some parts and pieces to make the camera shoulder mountable, and it definitely feels a lot lighter on my shoulder than the FS7 ever did. And I have tried the low light performance on it and can verify, in my opinion, that it looks just like the A7S III. So overall, in my first experience, the color has been phenomenal, definitely improved. The low light is definitely improved. The full frame, uh, the extra you know width you get with full frame, the, ex the extra depth of field you get with full frame looks incredible. And the autofocus is just tremendous. I mean, three hours of interviews at shooting at f1.4 using eye autofocus and never lose focus is incredible. And so overall, my first impression with this camera has just been great. I think it shoots great, easy to edit files. My, my computer's had no problem editing any of it. It's just awesome. It's a great, great upgrade from the FS7. Compared to the FS7, the image quality looks uh, quite a bit better, a lot sharper, a lot more detailed, a lot cleaner, and a lot more accurate and, and, and color. And compared to the FS7, um, I feel like uh, I enjoy shooting with it more because it's a lot lighter, easier to set up, easier to carry around, and the autofocus just takes a lot of stress off of me. And so my first impression with this camera has been uh, phenomenal. I did want to talk about a drawback I found with this camera though, and this is one thing that really frustrates me about Sony. So Sony, if you know anything about Sony's current camera offerings, when they came out with the S-Cinetone picture profile, and, and, and to, to make sure you understand, S-Cinetone is it's, it's, it's taking Sony's improved color science, and then it's creating a picture profile out of it that looks close to what the Sony Venice can shoot, right? So the Sony Venice is their flagship cinema camera. It was used for Top Gun 2. It's an amazing camera. And what Sony has done is it's taken the color science from the Venice, and it's, it's put it in the FX9 and the new upcoming A1 and the 
FX6 and has added this improved color science to these cameras and it even has put it in the A7S 3 All four cameras have Sony's new improved color science. Color science is not a picture profile. Color science is the actual sensor. It's the way it reads light. It's the way it reads color and, it, and it's how accurate that color looks or how, how it interprets red, how it interprets blue, how it interprets green and etc. And so Sony has improved its color science on the sensor level and that's not what Cinetone is. Cinetone is a picture profile that takes advantage of the color science and creates a what you see is what you get burned in look using the improved color science to shoot an image that's already colored so that when you are live streaming or shooting a project for maybe YouTube or something where you're not going to color grade it, you just want the, the color to be burned in, it takes the best of the color science and already colors it for you in a really unique, really pretty picture profile setting. So S-Cinetone is not the color science. S-Cinetone is a picture profile that just takes advantage of the color science. All of Sony's newer cameras have the improved color science, but not all of them have S-Cinetone's picture profile. So there's a difference there, right? And where this becomes a problem is, I bought the A7S III, spent $3,500 on it. I love it, it's a great camera. I got it back in December. I had the A7S one. I had the A7S two. Naturally, I was gonna get the A7S three. It's a B camera for me. I use it on my gimbal, my slider, um, on my jib. I use it for second angle interview shots, time lapses, all kinds of things. And it's a great camera and it has the new improved color science, but it doesn't have S-Cinetone's picture profile for some reason. Uh, Sony decided to leave that out and I don't understand it because this camera was obviously geared toward and aimed toward videographers. It has every video feature under the sun you could ever expect in a mirrorless camera and then some. I mean, this is a mirrorless camera that shoots raw externally. It's a mirrorless camera that has 10-bit 422 high bitrate codecs and 4K120 internally. It's a mirrorless camera that doesn't really have any overheating problems. This was a this is a video made, a video-centric mirrorless camera, but for some reason Sony left S Cinetone out of it. And it's frustrating because while the color science is improved and it takes advantage of the new Venice color science, without the S Cinetone picture profile, you don't have the advantage of the burned-in look um, that Sony's new color science can give. You can you get advantage of the new of the new color science when you shoot in log, which is what I do 90% of the time. But if you're live streaming or if you're shooting files and are just gonna hand them off to someone and you need them to be colored already, you don't have S-Cinetone to choose from. Instead, you're using their more traditional uh, picture profiles like Cine2 and Cine4 and things like that. And it's just frustrating to me that in their new flagship photo, photo or excuse me, video-centric mirrorless camera that they would leave that out. And I, I don't understand that. And, I, and they put it in the A1, and there's this rumor of this new camera called the FX3 that's supposedly going to be announced any day now, and supposedly it's going to have it, but I don't understand why the A7S 3 does not. It was clearly a camera meant to be a B-cam for the FX6 and the, and the FX9. It was clearly a video-centric B-cam or video-centric mirrorless camera, so why did they leave SNE Tone out? And the problem with that is this. The FX6... For those of you looking to buy both, 
the FX6 or an FX9 maybe as your A cam, and the A7S 3 has a B cam like I did. That's going to be a very, 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 very popular combination. I promise you, you are going to see a lot of companies shooting with FX6s and A7S 3s. It just makes a lot of sense. And if you're shooting in log, it's brilliant. But when you're not shooting in log, here's the problem. Because the FX6 has S-Cine Tone and the A7S 30 does not, you obviously cannot match them when you're not shooting log using S-Cine Tone. So one might say, well, then just use something other than S-Cine Tone on the FX6. Well, that's the problem. There is no other option. The FX6, just like the A7S 3 does not have S-Cine Tone, the FX6 doesn't have any other picture profiles. <laughs> there's no hyper gammas like there was in the FS7. There were, there's no Cine 2 or Cine 4 or anything like that. So if you want to shoot the FX6 and match it to the A7S 3 and do so without log, you can't. That is stupid. There is no S Cine tone in the A7S 3 to match the FX6, and there's no Cine 2, Cine 4, none of that business to match to the A7S 3 because the, the FX6 doesn't have any of those. So what the heck, Sony? Like, why would you do that? So if you're shooting in log, it's great. Like, they cut together very well. You drop the same LUT on both cameras. It looks beautiful. They both match perfectly. But whenever you, whenever you shoot a live stream or, or a burned-in look to hand the files over to someone, you can't match them. There's no way. And so, like, there are people out there that are trying to replicate S-CineTone by changing all the settings on the A7S's picture profiles to try to make it look like S-CineTone, but it's not the same. It's not. And that's really, really, really frustrating. And Sony's coming out with this new FX3, apparently, which I've seen pictures of. It, it, it looks like it's a rehoused A7S3 that doesn't have a viewfinder, but is going to have S-Cine Tone. And one could say, well, just buy that. Well, the problem is, is that camera doesn't have a viewfinder. So you basically have to choose. If you buy an FX6 camera and you want to buy a B camera for it, you have two choices. You either buy the A7S3 and have a viewfinder, but no way to match the camera outside a log with your FX6. Or you buy the FX3 and have a way to match the FX6 without shooting in log, but have no viewfinder. And I think that's really frustrating and it's really irritating. And I hope people, I hope a lot of people call Sony out on that because Sony needs to come out with a firmware update and add S-Cine Tone to the A7S3. It's stupid that they didn't do that. And what it's done is it's made it impossible to match the A7S 3 to the FX6 outside of log without spending hours and hours and hours trying to tweak your picture profile settings. And that that is irritating and should not be a thing. So if I want to pick on one flaw between the A7S 3 and the FX6 that I have found, that is it. I love everything about both of these cameras. I think they're fantastic. I think the FX6 um, has everything I could ever want in a cinema camera. It took everything I loved about the about the FS7 and, and put it in a smaller package and, and improved improved everything from the full frame to, to low light to color science to 4K 120. Like it, it took everything I loved about the 7 and proved upon it and put it in a smaller body. I mean, it's hard to complain about that. And the S-Cine Tone is great. And the A7S 3 is the best mirrorless camera I've ever worked with for video ever, hands down. But the fact that you can't match them outside a log is is extremely irritating. And that that has been the one thing I have found that I don't like about the FX6 or the A7S 3 They could fix it if they gave picture profiles to the FX6, or uh, what I would prefer is if they gave S-Cine Tone to the A7S 3 because I think it looks great. And if all your other cameras have it, this one should too, especially since it's a video-oriented camera. Uh, but without them giving an update like that, 
be prepared to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to match them out of the box um, if you want them to match live or if you want them to match when you hand your files off to a client uh, or if you don't plan on doing a lot of color grading. If you're going to shoot in log all the time, this isn't going to be a problem. Um, but it's those times when you don't shoot in log. And, and I shoot in log most of the time. But when I live stream, I'm not live streaming in log. And when I'm handing files off to a client, I'm not handing them log. They wouldn't even know what they're looking at. I'm going to hand off files if I'm if I'm not handling that post-production. I'm going to hand off files that are colored. And if you want them to match outside of log, this is going to be a problem that you're going to run into. So if there's one thing I'm going to pick on them about, that's it. And it is frustrating, and I hope I hope they fix it. Now that I've kind of talked about the FX6, and, and, and overall I'm, my experience, like I said, has been great, and I plan to come out with a more formal review later, um, whether that's in a podcast or vlog or live stream maybe. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I definitely plan to go more in-depth about the camera at some point. Today I just wanted to talk about the highlights. But now that I've kind of done that and talked about what I like and the one flaw I found with it so far, I now want to talk about why would you buy it and who this is aimed for. It seems like a lot of people lately have asked me, why why buy an FX6 when you can get the A7S III? Like this has been a very popular question. Uh, people have constantly been asking me this. They and, and, and what it is that people will point out is the FX6 basically has the A7S III sensor. The FX6 has the same 4K 120, similar codecs, all that that the A7S III has. So if the FX6 and the A7S III both have the same sensor, if they both have the same 4K 120, they're both full frame, yada, yada, then why, why spend the extra $2,500 and buy the uh, bigger and heavier and more expensive FX6 camera. And I want to touch on that today because I think that's, it's a question that really, like people really need answered because it's constantly being asked. And, And I want to point out the reasons why you would do it. First off, you need to understand that these two cameras are, are aimed at different, different audiences. The A7S III, while it is a video-oriented camera, it is still a photography camera. Like, let's just call it what it is. It is a photo camera. I love it. I own it. I think it's great. But it's a photo camera, right? Like, it's a photo camera that shoots great video. The FX6 is a video camera. It is a cinema camera. It is built for one purpose and one purpose only, to shoot video. That is what it's meant for. If you are a hybrid shooter and you are looking for a hybrid camera, obviously the FX6 is not intended for you. But I'm not a hybrid shooter. And the FX6 is not targeted toward hybrid shooters. It's targeted towards people who are going to be hanging off the edge of a cliff filming documentaries like Free Solo. It is aimed at people who are going to be filming documentaries like um, the the one where those guys read, read, uh, rode horseback from Texas all the way to uh, to to Canada. I can't remember the name of that, but that's the kind of project or the kind of uh, people this is targeted at. It's targeted at uh, documentary filmmakers, uh, music video filmmakers, uh, corporate video or corporate videographers, uh, commercial filmmakers. It's targeted at um, short films, things like that. Like if you're shooting commercials, short films, documentaries, speaking engagements. 
um, commercial work, those kinds of things, this camera is is targeted at you. It's not targeted towards people who are trying to shoot YouTube videos and Instagram photos at the same time. And I don't mean that to be insulting, but it's just there's a difference between a hybrid shooter and someone who is specifically focused on video only. Just like there's a difference between a hybrid shooter and someone who's focused on photography only. You know, there's just different areas. And I'm not a hybrid shooter, and I'm not really even much of a photographer. I shoot photography, uh, and I love photography, but I'm a, I am own a video production company. If you ask me what I own, I own a video production company who offers video production, commercial work, and live streaming. That's what I offer. This camera's targeted at people like me. And, and so it's important when you compare them that you understand... You, they're, it's like apples and oranges. One's a photo camera, one's a video camera. You know, one's made for hybrid shooters, one's made for videographers, and it's important that you understand that. Now, you can be a videographer and, and get by with the A7S III, but you're going to run into some issues. Uh, and you could be a photographer or a hybrid shooter and own the FX6 and have a photo camera separately. Uh, but make no mistake, one's a video-centric photo camera and one is a cinema camera. They are different. Now, if you are in video and you are not a hybrid shooter, but you're just someone who shoots video and you still don't understand why you would buy the FX6 over the A7S III, um, for, for instance, I want to iron this out for you. Let's start with pricing. People point out the price. The, the A7S III is a $2,500 savings versus the FX6. It's $3,500. However, when you buy the A7S III, memory cards and batteries aside, okay, because both cameras you're going to have to buy, buy batteries and memory cards for. So let's let's put those aside here. But let's just talk about the cameras themselves. When you buy the A7S III, if you want to have uh, XLR inputs for audio, just like the uh, FX6, you're going to buy the K3M. Like that's what everybody buys, right? The K3M goes in the hot shoe. That's how you get uh, multiple channels of audio into the camera. It's not going to give you the same amount of channels of audio as the FX6. It is physically possible to get four channels in the A7S III, but you're not going to have four independent channels that all are their own channel that you have control over each channel like you will on the FX6. So you can't even you can't even have the same type of audio within the two. But let's just say you just need a couple of channels of audio so you buy the K3M. Well, that's a $600 add-on. So now you're up to $4100. Then let's say you want a top handle like the FX6. The FX6 comes with a top handle, right? You pick it up. It's really well balanced. It's the most balanced camera I've ever worked with. Well, let's just say you want a top handle for your uh, A7S III as well. Well, now you got to buy a cage because you're going to have the the you're going to have the audio adapter plugged into the hot shoe of the camera. So now you have to have a cage uh, that has a a handle on it that goes around or over the top of that K3M audio adapter. Well, a cage like that's probably going to set you back three or four hundred bucks. Let's just call it four hundred bucks. So now you're up to forty five hundred dollars on this camera. Then on top of that, you have to get ND filters. The FX6 already has ND built in. It's got the world's best ND filter system. And if you shoot video, obviously you know you have to own NDs. And if you've been shooting video for any length of time, you know that if you're going to spend $1,500 or $2,000 or $2,500 or more on a lens, that you don't want to go buy a $50 ND filter that's made out of cheap glass or plastic and put it in front of your lens. It completely defeats the purpose of the more expensive glass, right? So if you're going to buy nice NDs, it's going to cost you money. Right now, I'm going to price this based off of the most popular ND system out there, and that's Polar Pro's Peter McKinnon uh, Edition. Uh, variable ND filters. So if you buy the Polar Pro Peter Mc 
Canon edition variable NDs, it comes in two strings, two to five and six to nine stops. You're going to need both if you want to cover the full spectrum of ND. So if you buy both of those, it's going to set you back another $500, okay? Or more, because you're going to have to also get step rings to get them to work on all your lenses. But we'll just call it $500. So now you're $4,500 plus $500. You're up to $5,000 or more on this A7S III just to give it a top handle, audio inputs, and ND filters. So now you're already creeping really close. You're $1,000 or less away from the from the FX6 at this point. Then furthermore than that, you still don't have the side grip or anything like that. So if you wanna put this camera on your shoulder, you're gonna to have to buy a big shoulder rig with handles and a viewfinder, and you're gonna to have to get a counterbalance weight to balance it on the back. To get the FX6 on the shoulder, you need essentially two parts. You need an extension uh, for your grip, basically an arm that takes the grip away from the body and just extends it, and you need a shoulder pad, that's it. Now, if you want to add a viewfinder or anything like that or, or LCD loop, that's extra as well. But you only need the arm and the shoulder pad just to get the FX6 on your shoulder. Whereas to get the A7S3 on your shoulder for traditional documentary style shoulder mounted filming, you're going to have to buy the full rig and the counterbalance weight and the handles and all that stuff. There's a lot more that goes into it. And so you're going to be creeping closer and closer to the cost of the FX6. And so by the time you deck out your A7S3 to be able to do what your FX6 can, you're already almost there in price. Now the argument is, yeah, but the A7S III can be stripped down much smaller and also shoots photos. But guys, the FX6 is already tiny. And if you want the FX6 to be small, you literally, it has thumb screws for the handle. You just unscrew the thumb screws and your handle and all that pops off. And then you just pop the grip off and boom, you are in this teeny tiny small little two pound body. So if you want a small camera, that's not really much of an argument because the FX6, you just take the handle and the grip off by hand. It takes you seconds to do. And now you have a tiny body. But if you build up your mirrorless camera with a cage and a K3M and a shoulder plate and all this other stuff, if you want to go from that to a small camera, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pull out an Allen wrench to take off your base plate and to take off your, um, take your cage apart and you're gonna have to take the K3M off and all this stuff. So you're, you're, it's gonna take a lot more work to break that camera back down. And so that argument to me is really a wash. It's a mute point. And if you talk about the pricing, you know, we're talking about a thousand dollar price difference to deck out the A7S III versus buying the FX6, which is uh, already ready to go and does better audio than what the K3M can give you and does uh, better ND than what the two Peter McKinnon filters can give you. So you're already getting a better camera for not that more, much more money at this point, and you can strip it down and make it really small. So to me, the price and the size arguments go out the window. So really, the only thing that leaves is the A7S III has image stabilization, shoots photos, and the FX6 has neither. However, when you look at this camera, the FX6 doesn't have image stabilization because it has the electronic variable ND, which is the best in the world. And I would rather have the electronic variable ND than I would image stabilization because if I want image stabilization, I can just have a stabilized lens, right? Plus, in a cinema camera, it's much easier to get smooth handheld shots than it is a photo camera. A photo camera, you're going to add movement on your own, whereas a cinema camera, the way you can hold it is going to already eliminate a lot of the shakes. Plus, it has gyro sensor data that's recording uh, all your movements. So in post, you can use a program called Catalyst Browse to 
to stabilize your image in post if you really need to. So to me, that's not a big deal. And then furthermore than that, yes, the camera cannot shoot photographs. However, again, this is not intended for a hybrid shooter. This is intended for a documentary filmmaker, uh, someone who's going to be shooting short films, someone who's going to be shooting music videos, corporate videos, commercials, TV shows, things like that. This isn't meant for people who want to also shoot Instagram photos. And, and again, that's not a knock. It's just a different target market. So if you're in the market for a video-specific camera or a camera to use to shoot video, there's really not much of an argument to go with the S3 versus the FX6. The price is not much different when you break it down. And the size is not much different when you literally break down the FX6. And the FX6 has all the features built in. It's got a many other features like LUTs that LUT monitoring that you can't have on the A7S3 because you can't put LUTs in the A7S3. You get SDI out for live streaming. You don't get that on the A7S3, right? Plus, you get the fact that when you show up to a job, you're showing up with a cinema camera. And, and guys, make no mistake, that's a big deal. It's literally the difference between a client saying to you, wow, that camera shoots video, hmm, because you have a photo camera, or a client looking at your cinema camera and saying, wow, how much did that thing cost? What would you rather have your client say? And so at the end of the day, the price difference is not that big. It's really actually pretty small. And the FX6 has everything built in, plus LUTs, the ability to input LUTs, plus SDI out for live streaming, and plus bars and tone and all these other things that you get in a professional grade cinema camera. And so to me, when you are looking at the two, one is really a B cam or a camera des designed for hybrid shooters. And the other one is a, is a real cinema camera that's built for video. So if you're in the market for a camera to shoot video with, if you're a professional videographer, the FX6 makes way more sense. If you're a hybrid shooter, fine, you can argue against that, but this camera is not meant for you. It's meant for video specific video professionals who are who are out there to shoot video and video only people like me who if i'm going to shoot photos i have a photo camera for that and i'm probably not going to be doing it at the same time anyway because i'm not going to be able to do as good a job if i'm trying to do both right when i take on a job i'm doing one or the other and 90 percent of the time it's video because that's what I am. I own a video production company and I'm the target market for a camera like this. So if you're arguing between the two and you're going back and forth on which to get, just ask yourself, are you a hybrid shooter? If you are, maybe the S3 is better for you. But if you are someone who's looking for a real video camera that's built specifically for video, that's going to be much better for video, it's going to give you more clout when you walk into a, a corporate office in front of a client and it's going to get you more jobs with other video production companies, the FX6 is by far the better choice. And so to me, there, there really is no choice there. If you're a hybrid shooter, get the S3. If you're a dedicated videographer, get the FX6. And that's really the easiest way to look at it. And for those of you who are asking this question, why buy one or the other? I really hope that simplifies it for you. And I hope that makes more sense. It's more reliable. It's got everything built in and it's going to get you more jobs. And then it has features on top of that that you aren't going to get in the A7S3, making it the better camera for video. And so it's it to me there is there's a reason why you don't watch documentaries that were shot on mirrorless or DSLR cameras. You know, they might use them as supporting cameras, but Free Solo was sh shot off of a video camera or cinema cameras for a reason. It was shot off C300 Mark IIs for a reason, you know. Movies are shot off of uh Arri Alexa 
uh, cinema cameras for a reason, right? There's a reason they're not using mirrorless or DSLR cameras. Yes, they can shoot great video, but they weren't built for it, for it from the ground up. And that's why you don't see them being used for that kind of thing. You mainly see them being used on budget projects or by hybrid shooters. But if you are someone who's trying to shoot per video professionally, the FX6 is by far the better choice if you're looking in the Sony system. Overall, though, guys, my first impression with the FX6 has been phenomenal. I, I could not be happier with it. Um, it's the first time in a long time that I've picked up a camera and just wanted to go shoot. Like, that's what it does. It just makes me just want to go shoot. And that's what it's all about, right? That passion, that desire. That's something that I, I feel like I haven't had in a while because I felt a little bogged down. But the FX6, man, it frees me up. It frees up my creativity. It, it frees up my hands because it's smaller and lighter. And it just makes me want to go create. And that's my favorite thing about it. So if you're in the market for the, a, a, a new camera, for video specifically, I could not possibly recommend this camera more. And I'll continue to put out information as I continue to learn this camera. Thanks guys for listening to the podcast. If you are not yet a member of the Filming with Josh Facebook group, I want to encourage you to hop onto Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Go there, ask questions, be a part of our uh, of our membership where you can learn all about video and photography, and it's all completely free. I'll see you guys there. Take care. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Yeah.